अब्जारश्रयस्तथा आनित्यम असुखम लोकम इमं भ्राप्य भजस्वम How much greater than are the Brahmins, the righteous, the devotees and saintly kings who in this temporary miserable world engage in loving service unto me. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. In this material world there are classifications of people but after all, this world is not a happy place for anyone. It is clearly stated here, Anityam asukam lokam. This world is temporary and full of miseries, not habitable for any sane gentleman. This world is declared by the Supreme Personality of Godhead to be temporary and full of miseries. Some of the philosophers, especially the minor philosophers, say that this world is false. But we can understand from Bhagavad Gita that the world is not false, but it is temporary. There is a difference between temporary and false. This world is temporary, but there is another world which is eternal. This world is miserable, but there is another world which is eternal and blissful. Arjuna was born in a saintly royal family. To him also the Lord says, take to my devotional service and come quickly back to Godhead, back home. No one should remain in this temporary world, full as it is with miseries. Everyone should attach himself to the bosom of the Supreme Personality of Godhead so that he can be eternally happy. The devotional service of the Supreme Lord is the only process by which all problems of all classes of man can be solved. Everyone should therefore take to Krishna consciousness and make his life perfect. Kim punar brahmana punya bhaktara jarshayastata anityam asukam lokam imam prapya bhavashyamam. How much greater then are the Brahmins, the righteous, the devotees, and saintly kings who in this temporary miserable world engage in loving service unto me? It is herein described anityam asukam lokam that the world we live in is not a place of real happiness for the simple reason that the soul is seeking eternal pleasure anandamayobhyasat and this material world is a place where everything is temporary in fact everything which is matter, is dead. It is the soul that gives life. And that life is the seeker of pleasure. And that source of life, or the soul, can only find real pleasure in its own element, which is eternal. So therefore, the futile attempts to try to find peace in a place where everything is ultimately on the path toward death is impossible. And one who takes to such a life is most unfortunate and foolish amongst men. 
until we understand the eternal nature of the soul, then it is natural. The only place to try to find happiness is in this temporary place of miseries. But when we understand the truth that we are eternal, that we are full of knowledge and we are full of bliss, that we are part of God, at that time we will seek our pleasure in that which is of the same nature as ourselves, spiritual. And in this chapter of Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, Krishna is describing how anyone who understands this principle and finds happiness in taking shelter of Krishna, no matter what category of society one may come in, no matter what type of conditioning one may have been exposed to in this world, it makes absolutely no difference. Whether one is born in a most low-class, sinful environment, and one has been addicted to the most miserable conditions of life, or whether one is a very saintly, pious, and righteous person. As soon as one takes shelter of the Supreme Lord, it makes no difference where he has been. Actually, sometimes, as described in Bhagavad Gita, piety is an impediment for spiritual life. Generally, piety is very auspicious because through pious life we come to the mode of goodness. In the mode of goodness, there is enlightenment. And in that enlightened state, we can easily understand the necessity of taking shelter of the Supreme Absolute Truth and surrendering. But sometimes people misunderstand the benediction that the mode of goodness is providing them. And they become proud of their piety. And in their pride, they think that they are very great, that they are very spiritual, that they are very religious. And therefore, they find no need to take shelter with all humility of the Supreme Lord. In which case, such piety is a great spiritual impediment. Whereas sometimes people in the most sinful and degraded in circumstances of life, they are humbled by that situation. They realize that they are worthless, they are useless, they are insignificant, and that they are on the royal road to hell. And in such a case, they give up all the shackles of their sinful desires. And they raise their arms and cry out, Hey Krishna, hey Govinda, and take shelter of the Lord's holy name takes shelter with all humility of the Lord's devotees. And in this way, they surrender their lives unto God. Such a condition is the perfection of life. That person, Krishna does not even consider what he has done or not done. All he considers is this person is coming to me helplessly. I must deliver him. So really, the goal of spiritual life is simply to come to this point of understanding the necessity of humbling oneself and taking complete shelter of the Lord. And when we do like this, then the material world no longer exists. You see, we do not want to give up this world. 
We want to give up illusion. Some say that this world is false, therefore we must give it up. But a higher and more complete understanding is to know that this world is not false, but it is temporary. Just like when you dream at night, that dream is not real, but at the same time it is real. It is real in the sense that the thought process of that dream is taking place. What is unreal is you are identifying that dream body to be you. Therefore, it is illusory. The, the example given by Sripad Shankaracharya is just like if there is a snake and there is a rope. And a rope is laying on the ground and you take it to be a snake. You become very fearful. Your heart starts beating very fast. You almost have a heart attack and you run away. Actually, it was only a rope. The rope is real. But the illusion is you are thinking the rope to be a snake. And therefore you are suffering so bad. So similarly, we must understand this world for what it really is. This world is the energy of God. It is described the Supreme Lord has one energy ultimately. And that energy divides itself. According to your consciousness, it appears before you. Just like electricity, when it comes into the stove, it creates heat. That same electrical current from the same electrical powerhouse, when it enters into the refrigeration unit, it creates cold. So is electricity hot or cold? Electricity manifests itself or reveals itself according to the receptacle in which it is entering into. So our consciousness is a receptacle. According to the condition of our receptacle, we will perceive and Krishna will reveal himself. To those whose consciousness is greedy, wanting to exploit and manipulate what belongs to God, then the divine energy of the Lord appears to our heart as this material temporary world. where everything is gliding toward death. Yehi samasparash jabhoga dhuka jonai evate atyanta banta konte anateshu ramade budaha. Krishna says an intelligent person does not take part in the pleasures of this world because they're temporary, they're sources of misery. He takes part in that which is eternal. But factually, this world can give us that eternal satisfaction if we simply have the proper consciousness. If we see how we are the servant of God and everything is meant to be utilized in the service of God, therefore the things in this world which are used in the loving service of Sri Krishna, they are no longer material, they are no longer temporary. They are the paraphernalia of the spiritual world. 
So therefore, Krishna is describing here that how much greater then are the Brahmins, the righteous, the devotees, and saintly kings who in this temporary miserable world engage in loving service to me. To such persons, this temporary miserable world no longer exists. They are living in Vaikuntha because they are identifying everything as the paraphernalia meant for the enjoyment of God. And that is the highest platform of self-realization. To realize through direct experience that we are meant for the pleasure of God and that everything we do and everything we have is meant for the pleasure of God. That consciousness is the consciousness where there is no more suffering, where there is no more birth, old age, disease, and death. Someone may accuse, but we see that the devotees and the saints and the sadhus, they are also growing old, and they are also getting disease, and they are also dying. The fact is this material body must grow old, get diseased, and die, no matter what. If you are identifying with this body, then you are growing old, getting diseased, and dying. But if you are identifying with the spirit soul, then you are simply watching this temporary place of residence going through its natural course. You see how it is all Krishna's arrangement. And therefore, it creates an enlivenment. It creates love. It creates enlightenment. when we find real peace, real happiness within our own heart. So you see, as we approach Krishna, he rewards us accordingly. And if with humble devotion we approach the Lord, then we can know that from within our heart, he will always be there to direct us and to lead us on toward him. Some people may ask that I have taken to spiritual life and I have been chanting the holy name and I have been offering respects to saintly persons and I am reading the scriptures and I am following many spiritual principles but still I'm suffering. Still I'm a victim of lust and greed and ahankar, false ego. Why is this? I chant my rounds and I feel very nice. I worship the deity and I feel very nice. I touch the feet of the saints, I feel very nice. But then the rest of the day, I feel miserable. I'm simply an embodiment of all abominable desires. What to do? And therefore, we want God to immediately, or the saintly persons to immediately just eradicate all of our material conceptions and material contacts of bondage in life. But generally, you see, it is not that easy. Pure devotional service is the ultimate treasure. It is the supreme perfection of life. It is not given so easy, but it is given. But we have to be willing to tolerate 
anger, envy, greed, lust. Krishna says one must be willing to tolerate these things for the sake of one's service to God. As long as Krishna wants you to tolerate it, you must tolerate it. And how do you tolerate it? By saying no to these impulses and constantly engaging in saying yes to the will of God and to the will of Guru and to the will of the great souls. And by performing this act throughout our life, Krishna can see that we are sincere, that we are serious. We have been cultivating the seeds of material desire for millions of births. It's not that we can take spiritual life so cheaply that a little dust on our head and we're going to be great Mahatmas. You must constantly be putting that dust on your head. Through your words, through your acts, and through your thoughts. And by following the instructions of the great souls, we are expressing to Krishna our willingness, our desire to be purified in his service. And gradually, when Krishna sees that we have really shown our sincerity, we should not be so, so impatient. For millions of births, we've been cultivating material consciousness. If Krishna wants us to go on struggling for 5, 10, 15, 20, 60 years, it's hardly anything. It's hardly a particle of, an, of, 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 of what we have expressed to Maya through millions of births. But if we're willing to just do that, Krishna will give us everything. From within our heart, he will cleanse all material misconceptions and reveal the true eternal blissful glory of the soul. So we should not be impatient. We should have complete faith that the blessings of the great souls, if it is upon us, we are protected. If the blessings of the great souls are upon us, we should know that we are under Krishna's direction and he's in charge. All we have to do is continue forward with determination and faith. And the result of pure love will absolutely be achieved by the guarantee of God himself. You see, Krishna reveals himself the way he wants to reveal himself. Sometimes before he reveals himself, he wants to put us in more anxiety than we've ever been in before. Huh? It is said in English, the darkest moment is before the dawn. Huh? The darkest part of the night ushers in the light of dawn. And if you want to live till the sun rises, you have to live and watch all the darkness before you. Huh? So there's a story in Chaitanya, Charita, Chaitanya Bhagavat 
which describes how the Lord shows his infinite mercy to his devotees according to his super-excellent desire. You know that according to the Shastra, the Mahabharata, Srimad Bhagavatam, and various other of the original Vedic literatures, in Kali Yuga, Lord Sri Krishna appears within this world in a beautiful golden form. Jigyai Sankirtana Puriyaya Jantihi Shaha in order to uh, propagate the congregational chanting of the holy name of the Lord. And the fulfillment of that prophecy took place when Lord Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifested in this world in West Bengal, Sri Navadvip Dham, 503 years ago. And when the Lord appears, as described in Gita, Janma Karama Chame Divyam Evam Yoveti Tatvatat Yaktvadeham Punara Janma Naiti Mameti Sorajana. His activities and his birth are completely transcendental. They're of a spiritual nature. So it is described that when Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was just a very small child, just coming out of his age as a baby. He was the source of all happiness and bliss for all the residents of Navadvip Dham. Now he was living in the um, home of his father and mother, Jagannath Mishra and Shachi Mata. And being very, very religious and spiritually minded Brahmins, they were always very much anxious to serve the saintly persons. So one day a Brahmin from abroad came to their house and they were thinking that this is our greatest fortune that he has come as a beggar not to beg from us for his sense gratification but to beg us to engage in the service of the Lord. We should understand that the real sadhus their begging is not for their own purpose their begging is an act of mercy and compassion upon the common beings of this world. And those who are truly religious in mind, they welcome such beggars as the greatest fortune of their life. This Brahman, he was very, very saintly. He was constantly chanting the holy name of Lord Krishna. He worshipped Krishna in the form of Gopal. And he had a beautiful murti of Gopal hanging from his neck along with Shalagram Shila. And he would worship them in everything he did. It is described that tears were constantly decorating his eyes in love for the Lord of his life, Sri Gopal. So when Jagannath Mishra saw the saintly qualities in this person's demeanor, he was very happy. He offered the Brahmin a nice seat. He washed his feet. He offered him prayers of humility and devotion. He said, my dear sir, whatever I have in my home is yours. Please accept my humble offering. It is only out of great mercy 
that you leave the dust from your feet in poor-hearted householders' abodes like myself. Notice Jagannath Mishra, who was most learned, who was most pious, he was not thinking himself in any situation but the most humble condition of life. Some people who are very much perverted by the age of Kali Yuga, they think, what are these saintly persons? Why don't they get a job and do something constructive in this world? Huh? Why don't they become businessmen or doctors or lawyers, professional people and do something tangible. What is this brahmachari, sannyasis? This is all just laziness and uselessness. Do something for society. Be constructive. If you want to preach, you have to show people that you are a constructive part of society. Otherwise, who's going to listen to you? You're just useless people. Parasites. This is the way ignorant people think. But great souls like Jagannath Mishra, he understood that such, such sadhus, they take to the profession of begging as an austerity, a severe austerity. They could easily be enjoying life like us, working hard for sense enjoyment, having nice children, having nice families like this. But they are renouncing all these things to take to the occupation of a beggar only to give mercy, only to give God's grace to the world. Therefore, we are the parasites. Only the saintly persons are not parasites. Why? Because we're constantly sucking God for our own sense gratification. Right? That is a parasite. God is the controller and owner of everything. And the Grihamedes the materialistic householders, they are constantly sucking God's energy, thinking, give me this, give me this, give me this, this is mine, this is mine, I want more. But a person who gives up this conception and is willing to live a simple life for the benefit of others, he is not a parasite. His whole life is simply giving. So Jagannath Mishra was teaching us what real Grihastha life means to have this respect and honor for those who have taken to the renounced order of life with a genuine spirit of devotion. And of course, as the culture of India to this day is still very strong, people in the Grihastha ashram like to feed their guests. So Jagannath Mishra was thinking, my greatest fortune is if I can give you some nice prasad. So he said, we will make all arrangements. The Brahman, he ex Jagannath Mishra even considered himself too lowly to cook for this Brahman. He said, we will, give, we will bring all the ingredients and everything and we will cook for you if you like, but we, we are already fallen. If you want to cook yourself and offer it to Gopal, we will just provide all the facilities. So the Brahmin began to cook. And as he was cooking, he was simply thinking how to make every preparation just so nice and tasteful for Gopal to enjoy. He was not thinking, ah, today I will eat a big feast. 
He was thinking, today, such a great benediction, I get to cook for Gopal. Usually I'm living in the forest. Usually I'm just eating roots and fruits. But today I get to cook nice rice for my, for my Lord, Thakurji. Ah. So he finished his preparation, and then he put the preparations on a nice tali, and he began to meditate and chant the names of his Lord, inviting him to please come and enjoy this food. At that time, this little child, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who at that time was known as Nimai, he appeared. He was naked with no clothes. Because he was playing outside, his body was full of dust. And with a very charming smile on his face, his tiny little fingers, which were like the buds of a lotus flower, picked up the food and he began to eat it. And the Brahmin, when he saw this, he cried out, Alas, alas, my offering is spoiled. This child has come in and stepped on the food and he's eating it now. It's finished. I cannot offer it to Krishna. And when Jagannath Misha, the father, heard this, he became very angry. He chased after the child and Nimai ran away. And he began to run after him. And the Brahmin took Jagannath Misha by the hand and said, Please, please do not punish him. Jagannath Misha said, I must punish him. He has spoiled your offering. He said, no, no, he's only a child. He does not know better. Just be patient, please, please. Jagannath Misha said, then you kindly cook again. We will get all the preparations. If you are in my house, you must eat nicely. The Brahmin said, no, 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 there is no need. He said, yes, yes, you must, please. And everybody in the house, begging the Brahmin, taking his feet on their heads, saying, please cook again. He said, all right, I will cook again. So they cleaned the kitchen, they made all the preparations for his cooking, and he cooked. At this time, Jagannath Misha told, now you take my son and you take him to some other place. And you keep him busy. Don't let him be near this house. So they took him to another house. And all the neighboring ladies, they were all playing with him. He was so beautiful, so charming in every respect. And they were teasing him. They were saying, Nimai, why did you steal the Brahmin's food? He was offering it. Nimai said, why are you blaming me? He called for me. He called my name, so I came and ate. What is my fault? If he called for someone else, I wouldn't have come. He called for me. They said, no, 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 Nimai. Don't you, you don't even know who this Brahmin is. What if he's from a low family? Then you're contaminated by eating his food. Nimai said, ha ha. He said, you don't know who I am. He said, I come from a cowherd community. I'm just a cowherd boy. I'm always liking the foods from the plates of Brahmins. That is, that is my greatest happiness. And of course, the people, they could not understand what he was trying to say. They were just laughing. Ha ha ha. So, so charming is this child. So sweet are his words. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but nobody knows what he's talking about. But still, it's very pleasing. So in this way, he was just running in everyone's arms and everyone was embracing them and their hearts were melting. In this way, he got everyone completely illusioned by affection for him. And meanwhile, the, uh, the Brahman was finishing his preparation and he had the tali and he began to offer his prayers to Gopal. 
Now everyone was so much bewildered by their affection for the Lord, he was just running from one lady's arms to the next to the next, that they completely forgot where he was. And he just very, very silently just slipped away and he appeared and with his lotus hand he took the rice and started to eat it. And the Brahmin looked up and saw, oh my God, he's back. And he cried out, alas, alas, again my offering is spoiled. At that time, Jagannath Mishra picked up a stick and ran toward Nimai. And Nimai ran, ran, ran into a room and closed the door and locked it. Huh? Your children do like that sometimes? And everybody in the house was saying, no, no, Jagannath Mishra, don't beat him. He said, I will beat him. Such a mischievous thief, my son. He must be taught. He must be educated properly. I cannot tolerate this happening in my home. And in this way, the, the people were imploring him, he's just a child, please. Beating him will only make it worse. And then the Brahmin came and he said, please, Jagannath Mishra, you are a rational man. I am a rational man. This child has no rational intelligence. He doesn't know what is right and what is wrong. How can you beat him? Just leave him alone. Besides that, it is my karma. You are thinking it's this child's fault. It has nothing to do with this child. Krishna wants me to fast today. That's all there is to it. He said, even if your house has the best quantity of the best food, if Krishna does not want you to eat, you will not eat. He said, therefore, just let me fast. It's God's grace. And Jagannath Misha was saying, no, 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 you must cook again, you must cook again. He said, no, no, I will not cook again. At that time, Jagannath Misha was so much in anxiety that he just sat down on the floor with his head in his hands, just lamenting what offense had been committed to the guests that came to his house. He was just an ocean of sorrow. At that time... Nimai's elder brother, Vishwarup, who was an incarnation of Balaram, he came into the room. He was so beautiful. His countenance was like the rising sun. His eyes like lotus petals. Every limb of his body was perfectly attractive to the senses, to the heart and to the soul. And when he would speak, he could only speak the glorification of Krishna. And his words were like nectar to the ears. And when the Brahmin saw Vishwarup, his mouth just dropped open. He was struck with wonder. Never had he had seen such beauty in his life. And then Vishwarup bowed down to the Brahmin and took the dust from his feet upon his head. And he said, my dear sir, we are so fortunate that you have come to our home, our humble home. You have agreed to bless with the dust from your feet. When a great soul comes to the home, we, it, is the, it is the supreme auspiciousness for that home. But, I know what has happened. If you do not eat today, it will make our whole household inauspicious. So kindly please cook again. The Brahmin said, Krishna does not want me to eat. It is his will. He is the supreme controller. Just bring me some fruits 
bring me some herbs, bring me some vegetables, I'll eat whatever you have, but it's already 1.30 in the morning, how can you expect me to cook again? At that time, Vishwarup took the feet of the Brahman and held them with great devotion and said, please, it is not too late. For the sake of delivering our household, cook again. And the Brahman could not refuse the loving request. And he said, all right, I will cook again. At that time, they made all the preparations and he started to cook. And Nimai was locked in the room and some people said, why don't we tie the door so he can't get out? And Jagannath Mishra said, tie the door. And he stood outside the door with a stick. And then Nimai fell asleep. He was a little child. He was already very late at night. And they said, Jagannath Mishra, there is no problem. He is fast asleep. And the Brahmin was cooking and cooking. And then, because the Lord is the supreme controller of all controllers, he is within the heart of everyone, he caused everyone to fall into deep sleep, except the Brahman. And he prepared the offering, and he began to chant the mantra to Gopal, begging him to humbly accept his service. At that time, the child Nimai appeared right on his plate and began to eat the food. And the Brahmin, exasperated, he just cried out, Alas, alas, again my offering is spoiled. And Nimai looked at him and he said, My dear Brahmin, why you are in so much anxiety? You are calling me and I am coming. He said, don't you know, whenever my devotees request me with great devotion to accept their service, I always accept. You are such a pure-hearted devotee, how could I refuse you? He said, my dear devotee, know that I am the Lord of your life, Gopal. And at that time, right before the Brahmin's eyes, this little child transformed his form to that of the Supreme Lord Hari. He appeared in a most remarkable way with his complexion like the dark, dark monsoon rain cloud, with his eyes like fully blossomed lotus petals, his lips red like the bimba fruit, his neck curved with the graceful lines of a conch shell. He was wearing the beautiful Vajayanti garland which was coming down below his knees. And there were beautiful, beautiful jewels studded with the most elegant gems. And this form appeared with eight arms. Four of them were holding the conch shell, the disc, Sudarsan Chakra, the flower and the club. One of his hands was holding a pot of butter 
and the other was eating, using that hand to eat the butter. And the other two arms were playing upon a flute. When the Brahmin saw this form, he was struck with wonder. There was a beautiful crown on his head, bedecked with a peacock feather. And then all at once, the whole house, the entire atmosphere was transformed into Vrindavan. There he saw the river Jamuna. And he saw the beautiful Kadamba trees filled with celestial birds singing and chirping the glories of the Lord. And then he saw unlimited cowherd boys playing with their cows and unlimited gopis simply chanting the glories of the Lord. The entire spiritual world was revealed before him. And when he received this unlimited mercy, he fell unconscious in ecstasy. And Lord Gaurasundar, with his lotus hand, he touched the Brahman. And when that touch came upon his body, immediately consciousness came back. And he stood up, and again he saw the land of Vrindavan, and he saw the beautiful form of, of Sri Krishna. And he was swooning in ecstasy. He would fall down, he would get up, he would fall down, he would get up. He would go into consciousness, out of consciousness, into consciousness. Meanwhile, there were rivers of tears like streams flowing from his eyes. His hairs were standing on end. His limbs were trembling. There was horripilation all over his body. Just like high tide and low tide, there was just waves of ecstasies just going up and down every atom of his, of his material frame, his physical frame. In this way, his heart was just enraptured in love. And then the Lord spoke to him. He said, my dear Brahman, please know that you have been my devotee for many, many births. He said, in my last incarnation, when I was living in the house of Nanda Maharaj, at that time, he said, you came also as a Brahman pilgrim. And there also you were offering your food to the Supreme Lord Narayan. And as Gopal, I came and stole your offerings there too. So know that we are always enjoying this wonderful Leela. <laughs>